The title of my message this morning is, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, how many know that, that they need to know where that came from? You do, dear? Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers made that famous. Fred Rogers was born in 1928. He was ordained as a Presbyterian minister. He was unhappy with the way television was addressed, was addressed to children, so he started a local show in Pittsburgh that began to attract a na a national attention. He swam every morning. He never smoked, never drank. He became a vegetarian because he didn't want to eat anything that had a mother. Uh, I'm, I lost all respect for Mr. Rogers right now because uh, I'm a meatitarian. You got to have meat, right? And all the guys said yes, that's right, amen. From 1968 to the year 2000, Mr. Rogers would come home to his television studio set and put on a cardigan sweater. And then he would become a voice of love and expect, of acceptance to children across North America. In 2002, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer and he passed away in 2003. Now, much has been written about the life and the legacy of Mr. Rogers, the way he loved and honored children. He became an inspiration for the future of children's media and education. But it was how Mr. Rogers integrated his faith and practice that inspires us today. He was always clear about his motives for why he started a children's broadcasting. He said this, I think everybody longs to be loved and longs to know that he or she is lovable. And consequently, the greatest thing that we can do is to help someone know that they are loved and capable of loving. I think everybody longs to be loved and longs to know that he or she is lovable. And consequently, the greatest thing that we can do is to help someone know that they're loved and capable of loving. The call that I think all of us here in this room have is the call to love one another. And the main reason is we're called to be a community. We are a community. We gather together because we believe it's the best use of our lives to love others in a new way of living. It takes a lot to love people. Let me just stop right there. It takes a lot to love people. It takes a lot to love people. And everybody looks at Louie and says, Amen. <laughs> no, we love Louie. It costs, it costs a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And it also involves our money. 
I don't know about you, but Barb and I have become the yes papa and yes granny. And usually one time Barb said no and Avai said, but you're the yes granny. But you're the yes granny. And yesterday we went to the mall, Avai and I, and at 9.30 in the morning, just when the Midtown was opening and he goes, Papa, I need a smoothie. I go, you need, you need a smoothie now? Yes, I need a smoothie now. So, there's nobody in the lineup. We go to Booster Juice, and he gets his very, very smoothie. And uh, he's chowing down on his smoothie, and as we are doing our shopping, he drops it in, in the aisle. And it's, it spilled out a bit, and his first words were, sorry. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, those, those things happen, don't they, Avai? But you see, as, as, a, as a papa, I, if he would have spilt it all, I would have got him another one. Now, some of you are going... You're a, you're a grandpa, so you do that. <laughs> well, I am a grandpa, and I would do that, and I probably would have done it for my own son, even when I was a young dad. Because there's nothing anything more than when you're loving somebody, it costs you something. It's not just what we say, it's not just what we do, but it also involves the very essence of of what we've earned. And I've talked to some of you, and it's, it's hard sometimes scraping in the, the amount of money that you need to keep things going to looking after your children as you live life, because there are things that you have to pay for. There is swimming lessons, there's dance lessons, there is skating lessons, there is lessons on the lessons of the skating lessons, there's hockey, there's soccer, there's on and on and on and on it goes. And all these things cost money. But why do we spend it? It's because we love our children. They've kind of been given to us as in being in, we are entrusted with their care. But it I guess I, I want to challenge us is that if we were say we love others, does that also involve a little bit of our pocketbook to show just how much we care? Sometimes it does. Most people struggle with believing that they are lovable, and most of us forget at least a time to time that the way we love other people truly matters to them. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. So Mr. Rogers understood this. He wasn't insensitive to the pain and struggle in the world, but he loved as many people as he could. He didn't start with a massive platform. He started where he was, on a small stage, and he spent his own money. He expressed the love of Jesus in words and actions, and he understood how costly this love is. 
And this is what he said. He said, love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and right now. The one thing, it's one thing to talk about love or the love of God. It's another thing to demonstrate that love. And Paul's letter to Ephesians in our passage today, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we will read verse 25 down to chapter 5, verse 2. So, chapter 4, verse 25. So, discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth, for we all belong to one another. But don't let the impassion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. If any one of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those in need. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. God has graciously forgiven you. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Then the first two verses of chapter 5. Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as His beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God, like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word today, and I ask that it would be quicker, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I just thank you that it reveals the thoughts, the attitude, the intentions, the very, it goes to the very soul and and sunder in one translation, Father. It, It reveals very much who we are, that Lord, it reveals, but quickens and can allow healing to take place in our hearts and lives. And so Lord, I just ask that you will take this word and you will use it for your honor and for your glory and challenge us today 
on what you have for us, that we would be your hands, your feet, and your, your heart to this world around us and to each other. We ask this in your name. Amen. Um, so how do you do this? How do you do this kind of love? This is, uh, you know, from this version, this, uh, it kind of gets right to the nitty-gritty, doesn't it? Discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth, for we belong to one another. You know, I, I sometimes think that it's... it's uh, when you get to these types of practical application, it's uh, almost the words say it speak for themselves. But I'll tell you right now, in this, in this first verse, truth has a lot to do with love. The lack of truth can break love. Try to love some, try to, to show affection to someone who has been lying to you. Who you can't trust. I don't know about you, but it gets a little hard when someone keeps pulling the wool over your eyes or trying to. Someone who's not really, who will say one thing but will do another. Love has to be framed by truth. There's no faster way to destroy the sense of belonging than to make other people feel like they can't trust you. You know, I, I've, I've, in my 30-some years of ministry, some of the hardest things that I've had to deal with in a community is when, is when there's a lack of truth. Because a lack of truth paints, almost paints the whole, the whole thing one color. So when one doesn't tell the truth, it has an impact when someone says that they are a Christian, yet they will lie and cheat their neighbor, it paints the whole picture. I've, I've often been in the case, uh, not often, I shouldn't I have to be careful of my words here, but I think that sometimes as, as Christians, we have to be careful not to walk as the world walks to make a buck. It's easy to cheat here or let go of this here or kind of waver on our standards, but truth always comes out. Uh, 
You know, I, I, over the years that Barb and I have been in ministry, we've had lots of people that will say they've loved us or they love us. <laughs> but in the process, it's, you, you wonder where the love went. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm only trying to say, I have to be careful here because when I talk about us, I'm not trying to reflect you to me. I'm trying to say, this is, this is my experience. There's lots of people that will say they are there for you through the hard times. But when the hard times come, where are they? Because it's, it's sometimes talk. It's not a walkthrough of truth. And I guess, church, we have to understand is that love, if we want to be truly loving people and make a difference in the community in which we live and in the people that we call community, we have to pony up. We have to say, yeah, I'm going to love you. I'm going to get involved in your life. I'm going to live what I say I'm going to do. I'm not saying that we're not doing that now. All I'm saying is that when we say we were going to follow, when we say we're going to do something and when God tells us to do it, we have to follow through. There's a falling through point that God calls each of us to. And it will, it will cause us to really examine the truth. And the thing is, if we don't follow through, we change the truth to meet our values. I've seen it in people. I've seen people that say that they're this way, that they will, they're serving God, and then all of a sudden they're doing things that aren't godly. And so what happens is they have to change the truth in order to not make themselves feel guilty about where they're at. And it happens even with our love. If we say we love, then we have to be able to follow through with that. Just saying. I think that's, that's good preaching, even though I'm looking at you and uh, wondering if you're with me. But here we go. Don't let passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. Not even a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. So forth. The truth will lead to conflict. I just, that doesn't sound very happy, does it? The truth will lead to conflict. But this is no excuse for selfish behavior or stirring up strife. Truth will lead to conflict, and conflict is not there in order to bring separation and division. It's, it's there to take you to a deeper level of engagement and of intimacy. Okay, this, this is good. This is good preaching. Yes, it is. The devil is called a slanderous accuser. And when you badmouth other people and when you, we make accusations about them, we give the devil room to operate. And when, and when you don't, the devil can't. Can I say that again? 
The devil's called a slanderous accuser. When you badmouth other people, when you make accusations about them, you give the devil room to operate. And when you don't, the devil can't. It's hard because it, it comes around. We, we think we're a, we're, we have rights to say certain things. But I firmly believe that my actions of how I, of, of the things that I hold have consequences and they sow seeds. Okay, can I give you an example? I'll give you an example because you're going to smile at me and nod your head and say, yes, you can give us an example. Okay. There is an example right now of something that's happening in the city and there, it could be a conflict but oftentimes when I sit on, this, on a city council level seat, there is, you know, talk of, well, it must be this reason or that reason. And you can get into a bunch of hearsay because there's a conflict coming. Okay? Two parties are disagreeing about something. Okay? I'm trying not to, I, I'm not wanting to give the, the thing up, but I'm just, what I'm trying to say is that in every, any case, even outside of the church, there, there comes to this point where there is a disagreement of an issue. And what happens is, a lot of times when there's disagreement, there's these things that come to the surface that says, well, you're doing it because, and we judge one another's motives. And the problem is, is that when we judge one another's motives, we are, we are exactly ex putting that, that judgment upon ourselves. So let's just say that I, as a city councilor, uh, I disagree with what the province is going to do, and I, I suppose that they're just being jerks and just say, well, the province is just being bad against the city of Warman and da-da-da-da-da. Well, guess what? That's all hearsay. I have nothing to back it up. It's just that I feel that way because there's a conflict coming. But the very fact that I would entertain that and speak it, I then sow seeds for people to think that I'm doing that to them because I'm in a seat of authority. But because I make a situation or I agree with a certain thing that needs to happen in Mormon, there could be a citizen that says, you know what, you're just doing that to mess me up. I just, you know what? That's the seed that sows. If I, if I sow it upwards, I, I get it downwards. Does that make sense? So if I am under suspicion of, what, of an authority above me, then there's, I, sow, I sow seeds of suspicion from someone that is looking to me for authority. But we don't realize that because we think that we have the right to judge, we have the right to look at people's motives. And guess what? Sometimes we can, we can honestly look at this certain situation and think, well, maybe that's what's happening. But we have to take truth. We have to take what's happening and we have to realize that if we, if we allow our intentions and our judgments to stir up strife, we will in fact get that infliction upon ourselves. If we sow strife, we reap strife. It's the matter of sowing and reaping. 
A community works better when people bring their best to the table. A healthy community is not meant to meet your needs. It's meant to be a place where you can share the spoils with one another. Did you, did you hear me? A healthy community is not here to meet your needs. Oh. But it's here, it's meant to be a place where you share the spoils with one another. If you have a need, you bring your need, but the goal is here that you would be a blessing. The goal here is to be a blessing. Paul goes on and says, and never let angry, uh, ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The way we speak either creates beauty or it destroys it. I don't know about you, but sometimes half of my problems or half of my, art, uh, my conflicts that I have, and especially if I have a conflict with Barb, three quarters of it, if not all of it, is sometimes how I'm communicating. Because I've said it in my mind this way, but it has come out this way. And sometimes we have to realize how we say things and what we say often creates a lot more conflict than we really want in the particular moment that we're having it. What we say creates beauty. What we say can destroy. Now, we have the right to say whatever we want, but we also have the power to frame someone else's experience. Do you want them to encounter goodness or do you want them to be discouraged and disheartened? I want people to be encouraged. I want people to know that God is a good God. He's a great God. I want everyone to know in this room that they are loved, they are appreciated. I want that whole issue of, of beauty and experience to, to take place in people's, people's lives. I don't want them to leave discouraged and disheartened. The Holy Spirit has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Forgiveness just isn't releasing the person who wronged you. It's the power to show affection and speak honor. Forgiveness isn't just releasing the person who wronged you. That's, a, that's a, a first type of forgiveness. But it's also the power to show affection and to speak honor. Bitterness, tempered issues, coldness, even sarcasm 
can reveal your well is poisoned. Real forgiveness starts with how Christ forgave you and me. Should the reverse should reverse the wrong you suffered. If you're incapable of kindness, then maybe you're still bound in unforgiveness. But you don't know what's happened to me. There is, if that is the case, then can I humbly ask, ask you to go get a sozo? I am not at all trying to disregard or belittle pain that you've experienced from someone to you. Those things are very real and hurtful. But there comes a point in time where you have to be able to build a bridge and get over it. You have to. Because if you don't, then you will end up right where you are, and you can't go any further. And that person has now put you into a prison. It's called a debtor's prison. When you can't, when there is a lack of forgiveness, you put yourself into that prison. And that's what I mean when you go to have a sozo, God can allow, can speak and minister to that, that deep hurt and bring his healing to it so that there can be forgiveness. And that forgiveness brings about kindness and honor. Let me tell you, there's, there's a lot of people that could get under my skin and I would love to spank. There's a lot of people that... They say one thing, but they, but they have a testimony of something else. And you, you feel like you have the right to say, listen, buddy, just stop it. And you wish they could get the message. But guess what? It is not my job to bring about that conviction or to belittle or to dishonor in order for them to get it. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use shame to bring about what God can do by His Spirit. I'm manipulating the situation. And so I have to let God be God and let God deal with that and His timing. I know it's hard because God, He never works fast enough in those situations. Right? When someone cuts you off, you don't go, oh, bless you, brother. I don't. I don't. It's not one of those things where you kind of go, the forgiveness just rolls off your lips. It's kind of like, buddy, where did you get your driver's license? But I have, to, I have to stop myself and go, I am not a police officer. I have to stop the judgment right then and there, and I have to say, God, I let you deal 
with that idiot. No. <laughs> I have to be able, I have to, right then and there, it's good practice to say, God, I just let it go. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. And it's a double whammy when you get the, when you may get the, the ticket and someone's done something to you, but you didn't. You get the ticket, you go, but what about? Forgive. Lastly, it says, be imitators in everything you do. For then you will represent your father who is the beloved, who has his beloved sons and daughters and so forth. A life of sacrificial love is what demonstrates you are a child of God. Your sacrificial love is what demonstrates you are a child of God. It's not whether you wear a cross in your jewelry or whether you go to church or even what you claim to believe. It's how you treat the ones you've been given. It's how you treat the ones you've been given. And you know what, folks? Sometimes it's the people that are the very closest to us that we have, we've grown immune to seeing what we may have done to them. Well, they should know I'm like this. It's okay. My wife knows that I don't, you know, she knows. She, she needs to get over it. No. Oftentimes, it's how we treat is really the badge of, of who we say we, we are. Mr. Rogers said this. He said, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in the person we happen to be with at that moment, we are doing what God does. So in appreciating our neighbor, we are participating in something truly sacred. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in the person that we happen to be with in the moment, what we're doing, we're doing what God does. So in appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something truly sacred. He goes on and says this, as human beings, our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each of us has something that no one else has or ever will have. Something inside that is unique to all time. It's our job to encourage each other to discover that uniqueness and to provide ways of developing its expressions. As human beings, our job is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us is.
There are valuable people all around us. I know I make fun of Martinsville, but I, may, I do that in fun. But there's uniqueness in Martinsville. There's uniqueness in Warman. There's uniqueness in Olsler, Hepburn, Saskatoon, wherever you are from. Rostern, yes, I can't forget Rostern. Wall time, yes, someone's going to go, you forgot me. But the, the inference here is that we need to understand that who we've been surrounded with is really God's gift to us to become more like Him. And I think if we stop to think about that for a moment after the dust settles, we may find that maybe the conflict that we're facing has a lot to do with us and not so much the conflict. Can I leave you with a couple of things before we go to communion? Don't think about how you will love better tomorrow. Think about how you will love someone better today. As I said to you this morning, God was speaking at the wedding yesterday and He was telling me how much He cared about me because I knew about myself. I needed, I needed to hear appreciation. And at the time, as it was being said, and it was said over and over again, and I didn't drum it up, but it kept coming, and I, I left the day thinking, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the appreciation. I didn't realize the impact that I had on someone after the fact. Church, can I ask you not to wait long to appreciate someone that is doing, that loves you? Don't wait. Husband, wife, son, daughter, don't wait to appreciate who you have. Take a moment to to appreciate them now. Because they need to hear it. And the second thing is the Holy Spirit is here to help you. You cannot love someone else through you without your consent. He cannot love someone else through you without your consent. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. He cannot love someone else through you without your consent. The Holy Spirit can't love someone through you without you being the conduit to allow Him to do so. We are participants in the love of God through word and deed. And church... It's one thing that I, I've 
been very honored as a pastor to see the, the, the desire for a lot of us to, to love the unlovable, to give to the ungivable, to go to the ungoable. Church, we have been good at a lot of things. But I think God is calling us deeper in our love. But I don't have very much to give. I don't have anything. There's one word that speaks thousands in that moment, and that is fooey. That is fooey. You have lots to give. It's not about your pocketbook so much as it is about who you are. It's taking the steps out and going to, in word and deed, by loving someone that maybe we haven't loved before. You know, there was a time, can I, can I be frank with you? I'll be frank. I won't, Frank's at the back, but. I don't know about you, but I can go to downtown Saskatoon and I can walk. I, I have a difficult time now walking by panhandlers. Before I used to think, you know, that's their problem. They should get a job. Now, I, now when they ask for money, I kind of go, I go, shoot, I don't, I don't have any in my, my pants. You know, I, I now have to litter, I, I'm, I'm going to start, but I, I now have been challenged that I have to keep coins in my pockets and in the, now we don't have ashtrays anymore in vehicles, but we have these little places where we put our cell phones and maybe our coffee. Maybe we need to put some change in there. When you head down to Midtown, but you don't know what they do with that money. So what? Love people. God's a big God. He knows how to use his money effectively. And you know what? I've let God look after his own money because it's his. Because when I lend to the poor, I lend to God. So therefore, it's his money. Ah, okay, I could go on and on, but I, should st- I need to stop. Church, awakening church. I know that there's a life group thinking about having another garage sale to raise money for missions. Food bank. There are things at our doorsteps where we could involve ourselves in loving the unlovable. Uh, 
but I know that Barb and Kendall can't do all of those things all by themselves. So I ask you, let's love. Let's step out in love. Let's step out and do the holy thing by appreciating people and calling out their gold. Because there's gold in this place. And people haven't tapped into you yet. There are things that you can give because there's an ability for you to make that happen. 